In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week on the show josh randall best known to some in the immersive world as the co-creator of the seminal immersive horror production blackout to others as the director of large-scale promotional activations at comic-con and in hollywood and yet to others as part of the team at two-bit circus in la and to some of us he's of those things, is here to talk about something radically different, a site-responsive production of Will Eno's Tom Paine, based on nothing, that he's staging in his own garage in Los Angeles. Settle in for an incredibly personal interview with one of the most provocative minds I know. But first, Catherine Yu is here with this week's headlines. This is Catherine Yu, executive editor of No Proscenium, and here is what's in your immersive headlines for March 25th, 2022. The Mailwolf Workers Collective has reached a tentative agreement with Mailwolf on a four-year contract, according to the Santa Fe New Mexican. The collective is a local unit with the Communications Workers of America designated as Local 7055. According to the collective, this new agreement would provide significant pay raises, job security protections, overtime for salaried workers, and doubled parental leave. In New York, the award-winning musical K-Pop appears to be Broadway-bound at last. This follows the cancellation of a pre-Broadway engagement and plans for a 2021 Broadway run that did not materialize during the pandemic. However, a press invitation now teases a forthcoming announcement at an event planned for March 30th at New York's Korean Cultural Center. The musical is rumored to be led by real-life K-Pop star Luna, but this has yet to be confirmed, so stay tuned for additional details. And it is continuing to be awards season. The Peabody's have announced their first ever winners for digital and interactive storytelling. This newest category of Peabody Awards has 16 legacy class winners, including four special awardees. These special awardees are Phil Yu, Noni de la Pena, Eliza by Joseph Weizenbaum and the MIT Artificial Intelligence Laboratory, and Forensic Architecture by A.L. Wiseman. And the 12 Legacy Class projects include Alternate Reality Games The Beast by Jordan Weissman, Sean Stewart, Pete Fenlon, and Alan Lee, as well as World Without Oil by Ken Eklund. You'll also find Feminist Frequency by Anita Sarkeesian and Video Games Journey by That Game Company, Never Alone, Casinga in Jakucha by Upper One Games, and Papers, Please by Lucas Pope as well as the XR documentary Notes on Blindness among the winners. Additionally, at South by Southwest, the XR Experience Competition Award went to three-part documentary series On the Morning You Wake to the End of the World, which is available now for free on MetaQuest headsets. History of a Painting was also given a special jury recognition for immersive storytelling. And the immersive theater experience Gumball Dreams won the Audience Award at South by Southwest in the XR Experience Competition, while documentary The Choice won an Audience Award in the XR Experience Spotlight. 
And lastly, this year's PGA Innovation Award went to Apple's For All Mankind Time Capsule AR, which is available now for free on iOS devices. Congratulations to all of the winners across the South by Southwest PGA and Peabody Awards. These have been your immersive headlines. Yeah, how do you want to be referred to? Like, when I do the cold open and what do all those? What a good question. Um, it, is it is it going to be Ghost Manor Productions, uh, Josh Randall? No, Josh you know, Randall it's not really performer? about Ghost Manor. I think okay. it's just about me, right? Like, Josh Randall. And and ultimately, I formed Ghost Manor right. to have a bank account to funnel these tickets through. <laughs> like, I have no agenda. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any plans to do anything after this. Yeah. Um, there was like a, like another show I'm sort of working on, but it's not me. It's a weird Shakespeare thing, but we'll talk about that because yeah. I know you're Shakespeare savvy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what I think is kind of interesting is that as a creative producer for two bit circus, as a former producer for blackout and creator and just like whatever the hell I've had in I my, think we're doing the pod now, by the way, I think we're in the pod just so you know. So this is all going. Keep going. Wait, what am I doing? No, I think we're doing the pod right now. So oh, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. So I think as that eclectic, weird person, this show came out of that. Mm. And I was having an interesting talk with uh, Terrence uh, LeClaire last night, um, who came and saw the show, super supportive, love him, love his work, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but we were just talking about... Um, these shows that are built sort of from the heart, a little bit more intimate, a little bit smaller, um, and how that is not so much the norm these days, whereas maybe it was, it sort of had a moment, I think in LA, you know, we could argue about how many years ago, but like, it just seems like there's been a, a an interesting shift. Yeah. Um, and so this, literally is the most personal show I've ever made ever 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 um and so with that I'm like I don't know it's just me it's just me <laughs> so Tom Payne based on nothing it's Will Eno's text you're performing it in a garage uh near where you live <laughs> I'm gonna say that much uh no it is it is where I live okay I mean to me yeah. that's that's like <laughs> But that's the I did, point, I did, right? I did, yeah, like, I didn't know if you wanted to like let people. Yeah, no, it's my house, straight <laughs> yeah, yeah. up. That's okay, the cool. that's the tagline. That's the marketing <laughs> blurb, you know, performed in the artist's home. Yeah. Um, for those who haven't had a chance to catch it yet, uh, what is the show, and and where and and the provenance of of the piece? Because this is a this is a Pulitzer Prize. It's always that's one's always hard to say. Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer. final. Is it a Pulitzer or? Pulitzer. Pulitzer? I don't know. I don't know. I heard someone say patent today, also patent. Oh. So, but yeah, I've, it's those P words, man. Like yeah. they, they mess everything up. Uh, but so it's Willie Knows Play. It's a one man show. 
Uh, but tell us, tell us about with the heart of it and, and, the, and the provenance of the piece. Um, such a good question. Uh, it's a very hard show to describe. Um, it is. A I've w- seen it, and it's a hard show to describe. Yeah, well, okay, you perform so it, and it's a hard show. To it describe. is, and what's actually funny is that one of the um, pieces of feedback I asked for from uh, early test audiences, and I had people, I asked people to fill out a survey. I still, I still, I think everybody got the link, and I'm always curious to hear I people's things. Um, I can't believe you can hear that. I'm whispering to myself, but you heard it. Fucking Noah, fill out the form. <laughs> um, no, that's okay, because you did the review, so that's all right. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the things I ask is, how would you describe the show? Yeah. Um, and literally, it is all across the board. Everyone takes something different from it, and it's a weird one. Like, it's a really yeah. weird piece. Um it makes more sense to me, I feel, because I've dissected it line by line and word by word. But um, just reading it for the first time and getting people's initial reactions, it's a very hard show to pin down. Um, so I think for me, what it is, um, and I hope I'm not... I have a version of what's happening here. And I'm going to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's my version. I don't think other people necessarily get this, but when I read the show, this is what came loud and clear through to me, um, through the text and through the words. I don't know if this is true. Are we good? Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay. Um, Ignore me watching levels, everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think he has cancer. Oh, wow. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. And I think he's been in his house for a year, dying slowly. And reminiscing on his life. And we just happened to catch him at that moment. In one of his final nights, as he's reckoning with shit. Um, there are so many references that we could talk about where I'm like, textually, it's in the text. Like, this isn't just my feeling. I, 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 I say that relatively educated. Like, it is my take on what he's what he's saying um so with that said it's a man who is ruminating on his life he's kind of having a a midlife crisis to a certain extent and the show is an hour long approximately um meditation on life and performance and it's not just about life it is so much about performance and there are Mm -hmm. so many things that uh eno puts in to break the action, to stop the action, to divert the action into something theatrical so that as an audience member, you're constantly aware that this is a piece of theater. You know, an audience member gets up and walks out in the middle of the show. At one point, he asks for um, a light to be turned on. Um, He loses his place in the show and has to backtrack several times. I mean, more than several times. It's part of his his gig, right? So I think that from a... um, form perspective Eno is very specifically trying to stop you from getting too far emotionally connected to this character and to stop you from losing yourself in the theater of it all and constantly reminding yourself that this is theater this is a performance what's funny to me about that and I and I do mean both haha and ironic is it's it's the Brechtian impulse Right to make strange, very from some effect. Right, you know, keep you alienated uh, from alienation effect. Keep you alienated from the work, and yet that's the stuff that always grabs me. Yeah, right. Like by being put into a mode where 
we can acknowledge the artificiality of what's going on, it opens the door to something more authentic. It's this paradox. Well, no, it's it's not a paradox. It, it it's authenticity. It is literally it, it is it is exactly what you're saying. Except to me, it's not a paradox. It's mm. actually the um, the manifestation of what we're doing we have to acknowledge that you're sitting in my garage that this is a piece of theater you know me this is a 40 page script i memorized it i'm not making this up i i can't pretend that i'm making this up you know that so where's the suspension of disbelief it's not even where is the suspension of disbelief it's like why suspend disbelief <laughs> right and so with that that to me is the heart of the piece that is why i chose to do it now because i feel <laughs> that sense of like i think as a 44 year old dude who just is trying to get through life and figure shit out like especially with the pandemic especially with my you know the loss that i have experienced recently with my father passing you know, I just wanted to sit across from people and just get some shit out. Yeah. And I think that that's what the play is, right? And that by doing it, by calling attention to the theater, by saying, no, no, this is a performance, don't go too deep, it allows us as an audience member to go, oh, no, this is real. Like, mm -hmm. this is real. The suspension of disbelief isn't really a suspension of disbelief. I don't need to suspend disbelief. I can just believe. I'm here. I'm in this spot. I'm talking to this person. He has lights. He's literally triggering them. Um, that, to me, that allows you then to take a step back and just listen and stop pretending <laughs> and stop LARPing and just pretending and that you're, I don't know, like whatever immersive theater, like this sense that like you just get to be someone else. How about you just be yourself and enjoy a show? Like just remember old school theater? Like yeah. that's sort of the the impulse, I think, for me to pick this piece up. Well, and, and it still feels like it's, because it's in conversation with some of those exact impulses, but also because between the intimate staging, I mean, look, no pros known for like, you know, talking about audience agency, and there there isn't really audience agency here, uh, and we're yeah, known for all those things. But it, for me, this still fits not just because of the intimacy of the staging, but because it does start being. I always talk about things being the thing itself, right? Like what you're talking about is what I call the thing itself, which is it is just. The material like it is it is a true moment even in the artifice it even in the alienation all of it just strips away and it's someone expressing and dialed in to this exact impulse of staring down who you've been who you could have been and even though it's willino's words you we see it going through your body yeah. and then suddenly we're, we're maybe doing some of the same stuff. You know, that's a testament to the playwright to me. Um, you know, I've worked very hard to get to the point that you can say that as an audience member having experienced it. But like to me, 95% of that work is like what we'll put on the stage or on the, the paper. Um, and so, you know, and what's interesting is this is a wildly different staging and adaptation than is supposed to happen. And I don't know if ever will, you know, is going <laughs> to listen to this, but like, um, 
that is the the show you saw is not the way it is supposed to be performed. How's it supposed to be performed? Um, very little lighting or sound cues, if any at all. Mm. Not deadpan delivery, but I would say almost more like neutral delivery, almost in the kind of like old school Richard Maxwell style of 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 the word, or the experimental sense. And um, he wears a suit. He stands center stage, and that's it. Uh, um, the emotion that I sort of I think tapped into is not really there. Um, definitely no sound and light cues. And like for me, part of the joy of this staging is pulling the artifice forward. That's why for anyone who's listening who's never seen the show, like I physically have a you know computer monitor pad here that I'm actively setting the cues throughout the entire show. There's no one doing the lighting and sound except for me. And it was very important to me that that was present that you could literally see me hitting the buttons that I wasn't trying to hide that. Yeah. Um, and that is not the original intention at all. Um, but to me it works really well. Um, and to me the emotion works really well. And that sense of authenticity um, and loss, I don't know, for me, it's a very sad moment, right? Um, and so I'm just kind of being true to myself and consequently true to the page, to the, to the words, and have ultimately come out with a very different adaptation than what's ever been performed before. And honestly, I would love his take on this. Ha, maybe I'll send him this thing afterwards and see what, it says, what he says. But... Um, <laughs> It was a risk, I think, to, to approach the material in this way, but it's it was kind of a no-brainer to me, and it's, you know, thankfully really paid off. I think it's, uh, I think the staging uncovers something that hasn't been uncovered with this text before. Does your years of doing work, both with Blackout, with doing big time, you know, Comic-Con level activations and then doing like game show stuff with Two-Bit Circus. Is that, how do you think that has played into choosing to, to stage it this way at all? Even if it's just, well, yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't know. Um, or, or maybe it has. It has, obviously. It has to. You know, it's funny. It's, it's like everything comes back to Tom Paine in the script. And, and there's a line where he says, it all must have had some effect, I'm sure. <laughs> End of rumination. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know. It all must have had some effect. I, You know, the only thing, there's a couple of things that I, I can say. I think this is sort of the nexus of many different um, things in my life. So obviously haunted houses and, and sort of immersive have been a large part of, of my experience, game making and, you know, playing games with strangers over the last couple of years has also been really awesome. Um, there's something I think about the work of Blackout um, in terms of, I was actually thinking about this the other day, um, the way we used to utilize nudity, for example, in Blackout, um, it, it was a tool right? It wasn't an evocative tool. It was like literally a physical tool. When, when somebody is three steps away or three feet away from another naked person, there's a level of authenticity that is palpable, right? Like, you know, yeah. maybe not palpable. You can't touch it. You don't want to touch it. It's 2022. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> but like, um, the vibe is but, palpable. The, the bodies are not right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Don't palpitate uh, the bodies. Palpitate no. the vibe. Correct. Um, well said. Uh, <laughs> 
So with that, um, I was feeling like that is where, that's the blackoutness of it. The authenticity, the realness of it. Um, Chris and I always used to say, Chris Thor um, and I, the other creator of Blackout, um, when we were, uh, our motto used to be no false threats. So we can never bring something to the table that we couldn't actually bring to fruition, right? Mm. So even though there was a gun one year, we did make people pull the trigger and the whole point was that nothing happened, but whatever. But like we would never bring a full knife to the show, right? Because we could never slice you with it. And so that was part of the blackout um, ethos as, as it were, is that like no false threats. So it's just authenticity in every way, shape or form. And and people always used to latch on to the nudity in blackout, in blackout and... Um, because Americans, I mean, as Americans, we're deeply neurotic about our bodies. 100%. Like in, part, in a way that maybe no other culture, with like one or two exceptions, is. 100%. And the I Brits, think back when, know, I mean, Russians, frankly, even it. now, you know, yeah. people still encounter nudity within an immersive show. And there's something very shocking about it. But for us, we used it as a tool to force the audience into an authentic place to try to say, like, this is real. You can actually breathe, maybe not relax, but like you can breathe and 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 experience what's happening. You do not need to suspend disbelief, like give us your real um, uh, um, feeling. That was, I think, always the vibe of Blackout. That was what we always strived for. Mm. And then I look at something like Two-Bit Circus um, that is significantly more um, audience-facing and crowd-pleasing and, like, get them to smile. Have a game. You know, like, have fun. Just relax. Don't take it so seriously. Just join me and engage. And I think you sort of put those two things together and, you know... I see the roots of both of those things in this show, 100%. I think everything that I've tried to do from a theatrical perspective harkens back to a sense of blackout of like, it is just me. Frankly, he even says point blank in the beginning, it is in the text, um, like don't let the text be obscure, hard or troublous. Just constantly remember the simple human picture standing before you this like he literally says exactly what i'm trying to do and then the other side of that is the two-bit side of it which is just like just it's okay just sit across from me i'm gonna look in your eyes maybe i'm patting myself on the back maybe not but i have a decent talent and i think this has come through in two-bit as well that like i could sit across the table from anyone and just be like let's just talk like i can have a conversation with you and i can find out where you're coming from and like i can i can spend an hour just connecting with somebody um and to me that's a very two-bit thing it's a very game show thing like i can just doesn't matter i've done so i've literally done (laughs) hundreds of game shows in the last couple years it's so funny because like you hear the word game show and the first thing that comes to mind always me to me is the most inauthentic thing humanly possible because it's like a checkered suit uh prizes and uh you know like there's there's layers where some things are like authentic but for like every bob barker you know there's a pat sajak you know and and for every alex trebek there's a there's a drew carey you know just this like all like oh this 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 there's this there's this goal and yet and yet there but the spirit of play remains right right it's funny the two-bit mission statement um or some bastardized version of it (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm gonna get this wrong but it's that we bring people together to play elbow to elbow and like Mm. 
it's funny, but like, you know, Pat Sajak, um, uh, Alex Trebek and all those people like, yeah, there's a sort of smarminess there, but, um, but they're good at what they're doing and they're able to get people to connect with them on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. And I think that again, like having done hundreds of game shows over the last couple of years, if you can just connect with the people, you can get them on your page. You just got to connect with them. You just have to get them on your page. And to me, that's very much what the first 10 or 15 minutes of Tom Payne is about is like, just breathe and look them in the eye and just try to connect and then let the show happen. I'm going to stay with this idea of connecting with the audience. Um, have the immersive heads had a problem with the fact that like they have no agency here, right? Like there's rhetorical questions that pop through. It was something I was talking with someone about this the other night. Someone had seen the show who was just like, like, oh, I don't know if they're going to be able to, to, to grok it. Has that been an, has that been an issue at all? Or do, are people um, an issue? No, a fear? challenge. Okay. A challenge. Maybe a little bit of a challenge. Like there are some people that I think are more, responsive than others yeah um, i mean I, I feel like the night i saw it our audience was scared to 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 but i think we also might have been reading that like no there really isn't a place here like there's rhetorical questions coming at us right and we're meant to we're meant to non-verbally connect with you yeah but at the same time i'm sitting there going like oh maybe i shouldn't just be nodding maybe i should say something uh, a lot of people say something yeah a lot of people say something it's a little awkward sometimes um but it's it's not it's not been a problem. I think the show is built around connection, and the show is built around communication. Ninety nine percent of that communication is one way, but like <laughs> like there needs to be some sort of give and take, yeah. right? Like as a performer, especially somebody you know in this kind of show, like I need something from the audience like you gotta give me like an eyebrow raise or just like please for the love of god especially with masks you know like yeah. this is not the kind of show that you can just sort of speak at a wall like you need to have a a, a, a kind of back and forth um and yeah like listen there have been shows where i don't want to say it's gotten out of hand because it's not out of hand but like there are people that get significantly more responsive yeah. Um, and it's a little bit of a challenge, but I would say that ultimately the show is written well enough that like I, I, I will also say it before I almost finish my sentence. Um, it's funny. It's you see how they're like Tom Payne is like just coming into my oh, body. Yeah. I literally can't finish a sentence these days. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, there are shows where I am finding that a lot of the lines that I've memorized in one way are actually like ad lib improv lines. Um, and like things that I, I sort of learned as a like, oh, here's a joke and here's the denouement or like whatever, or like here's the setup, here's the delivery. I've sort of realized that like, oh, that's the joke. And then that's the ad lib you say to the guy who says something weird in the audience. Mm. Um, so like once again, I sort of circle back to like, damn, Will, you know, like how did you build this thing? Like it's, it's interesting to read it and see it on the page and then see it come to life and sort of be like, how did he figure out all those well, things? Like when did you encounter the play? When did you encounter the text? Um, 
Well, I've always known about the show. The show was uh, uh, written in 2004 when it first premiered. It was a finalist for the Pulitzer, Pulitzer, whatever, in 2005. Um, and I knew about it back at, at that time. It was James Urbaniak, or Urbaniak, I don't know how to say his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, was the, the original, the OG. Oh, yeah, okay. You, right? know, he, you know he lives around here, right? I have no idea. No, I had no idea. Oh, uh, he used to... Okay, sorry. No one name drop. Our, uh, he used to do... Uh, he was one of the regular storytellers at a storytelling show called Public School for a long time. Okay. I ran the soundboard there and would occasionally tell stories. Uh, and on, I even got to tell a story one night when he hosted. No shit. So James is... Yeah, he's around. First time I ever saw him, I think, was at Largo like 11 years so ago. So he was like the that. OG. Yeah. He was the one that sort of brought this to fruition yeah. i believe yeah i think maybe there was somebody else before him but i think he was like the one who kind of solidified it he's an incredible um, rain wilson did it a couple of years ago Whoa. michael c hall did it at the signature in 2018 i think rain wilson did it in 16 2016 here at center theater group maybe okay yeah um so it's it had always been on my radar but i had never read it and I feel slightly embarrassed about it, but I just, I hadn't. Um, for whatever reason, I picked it up, I think in September of 2021. I was just sort of like, I don't know, yearning for like, I just felt this itch to kind of come back. I hadn't been, a, I, I haven't performed for over 20 years, like in a, a serious way. I did trivia shows and things, but yeah. yes, in a dress as a nun, but still yeah. not really acting. Um, and uh, uh, glad you got that detail. I didn't have to like, <laughs> call it out for everybody. I wanted, but I wanted it. So. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, so I don't know. I just was getting an itch. I think the quarantine hit us all in different ways and in funny ways. And I, 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 I bought it off Amazon. I got it delivered. I got it was like <laughs> there was like a whole slew of one man shows. I don't remember what else. I was like, I am my own wife. I also bought at the same time, which I did see. I saw the original production of that. Um, there was another one that I can't remember. But like for some reason, I was just kind of like, hmm, like does my brain sort of want to like circle around a show? Um, the idea that I would ever act again is like, honestly, was just so far from my brain. But I guess it wasn't because for some reason it started inching back up. Yeah. And then unfortunately, um, in early November, my father passed away and it was very sudden and it was very difficult and it was very hard for me. Um, and I think maybe it was like right when it happened. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember when it was. He had gone into surgery and then it just there was like a, a seven day decline. So there was just this very sad seven day kind of everything was kind of okay and then it just over seven days yeah. really kind of became not okay and unfortunately at the end of that he passed away and it was very difficult for us but at the beginning of that time I picked the show back up and mm. I thought oh as he's recuperating from this awful experience that he's going through and I'm about to go down to Florida to take care of him when he comes home from the hospital I'll 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 pack this show I'll pack this play. I'll put it in my script, and it'll give me something to sort of wrap my head around. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. was that a touchstone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just something to I don't know, something to read on the plane. Um, and unfortunately, he passed, and that was awful. Um, I wasn't even there for it. I was literally coming down on Sunday morning, and he passed at Saturday night, like three three a.m. And um, so that sucked. Um, and I just had the script on me. Like, 
it just like from that moment it just never left my side mm. and i swear on my life i have read it at least once a day since that happened and i think pretty quickly as i was sort of preparing for the funeral and writing the eulogy and whatever like all of a sudden these words were like just I mean, it's like literally, it's like a passage in, in the show that he writes. I mean, like the words just came and went. Um, and they just ran through me and they started taking on a resonance that obviously they did not have before. I'm 44. Um, I'm 44 years old. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I feel incredibly privileged and lucky to have had 43 years with my father. Um, he was an amazing man, and I know so many people that don't get half of that, don't yeah. even get a quarter of it, don't even get, a th you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I have had um, an intense amount of comfort um, and strength in trying to get through you know, ultimately what is one of the hardest things I've had to deal with. And it's been amazing how this script has just been, I don't know, um, a little bit of a Bible, like a little bit of a guidebook. I don't know. Yeah, a guidebook, I think. It takes on almost like the, the act of performing it sounds like it takes almost like a... The, the, the role of almost like a, a, a religious practice in, in, in a way like, like not, not, not necessarily spiritual, but like, I guess in my, what was it like, what did I say? What was that weirdo line? Like a psycho spiritual exegist, right? You know, this was what I put in the review. Cause I was just reaching for, there's a way in which the way you're approaching the text, you're, 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 you're pulling apart this person, Tom Paine, uh, as if we're unzipping DNA strands and by observing you do that, it creates this like mirror effect in ourselves. Like it starts to happen internally, like that, that unzipping and putting yourself through that every night you perform, like are you, how is, is are you finding your, your, your relation to the world is the is the catharsis you're clearly seeking? Is it happening, Josh? It's so happening, and it's so fucking hard. It's like I built a show around my own trauma, and like, what else? <laughs> like, how fucking fucked up is that? As a sort of, perf I mean, it's beautiful. It's yeah. like it's what we do as artists, right? But I, I mean, <laughs> I think it's fundamental. I have never been a part of an experience that hasn't had some sort of professional or marketing sense to it right like mm. everything is about getting people to see it or selling tickets like you don't build a theater in a vacuum you build it so people can come and experience it i built this in a vacuum and i've never I mean, I always intended for people to come see it, but I, <laughs> that was never the point, ever, ever, ever. It was about me working through some shit. Um, and what was 
interesting and frankly it was the weekend that you were there because that was the third weekend at that point like i already had two weekends of test audiences to just sort of like help me get through this and get to the point i guess i needed to get to um and once i finally passed the point of being a producer and like a an actor and i just was able to sort of just speak fuck <laughs> i mean like it is a tough thing and like i have been so emotionally um tapped out and so emotionally protective of myself like I'm, I'm, I'm trying. Like I'm getting teary just saying this, and I can't. Like I can't do it, right? Because I have a show tonight, and I'm like, I need all of this to stay. Yeah. Um, and you so, can't like, spend it. this yeah. is good, right? Like I'm building it. I'm building it. We're yeah, like, yeah. we're making. The, we're the the tea kettle's boiling. Um, but you know, and I, I'm like almost a little ashamed saying this, but not. I don't mind like giving away the secrets a little bit, and like I don't mind entirely telling how personal this is, but like, this is a very personal show for me. Like there's a moment where he holds up a letter. I don't know if you you know, I use my imagination, right? I use the talking about the brain and the mind yeah. at that point. Um, that is very physically, that's my father's death, death certificate that I'm holding. Um, there is a letter that he reads at the end, which in the course of the show is, you know, a letter that the loved one wrote that he never read or whatever, it happens to be the eulogy I said at my father's funeral. Mm -hmm. So just like on a very personal level, I have <laughs> these hours in the week where I try to process shit and, you know, I don't know, right or wrong, I've allowed people <laughs> to pay me to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went to that. Uh, um, you know, there's. And yeah, and listen, and, and, and I guess my point being that, like, I don't know, I've never done something that's been so personal and yeah. felt so alive you know and like on one hand i feel it's a little cheap because it's so personal but on the other hand it is through the lens of a play that was written almost 20 years ago yeah and i think to someone who doesn't know me who doesn't know that my father's passed away like you guys as an audience you don't see what the letter is you don't see what i'm reading um and frankly you don't need to like that's that's acting right that's that's we do what we need to do to get to where we need to be um and artifice is artifice, like, and and that is part of this experience. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 been a wild one. This one is definitely, I think, this production stands on its own from anything I've ever done for that reason. You mentioned maybe it was right when we, I think it was a little before we started recording. You've got other things you're looking towards. Maybe it was right after we set the recorder on. But I don't. I don't want to ask you details on those. But I am curious. Do you see yourself having this way of working that's very personal, that's just for you, that's something that you haven't chased after before? Mm. Do you see that becoming a new thread for you, or or is this is this sort of like a, a singular atomic moment with this work? I think that's an awesome question, and I literally 
feel like I'm, I wonder if I'm answering on behalf of artists over the last two years, mm. right? Like something's changed in me a hundred percent in almost everybody that I know a hundred percent. Um, so even many, to, even to hold on to what you were before you still had to change so much as a person. Like, yeah, I mean, like you like have for to hold yeah. on. You have yeah. to hold on to all of that, right? But you also have to pave a path forward. Yeah. And, you know, I sensed in the quarantine, even before my dad died, there was a shift that's happening. But it's happening, I think, for most of us in many different ways, not just theatrically. Like, our priorities are different, period, right? Like, I do not go out now <laughs> unless it's something I really want to do or I need to do or like whatever, like my priorities have changed as a person. Um, and consequently my artistic, everything has changed. I think just personally where I'm going are, you know, and the other, you know, some of the other stuff that I'm working on and, (coughs) excuse me, I'm building a game with Tubit Circus right now that I am so crazy excited about. And it's literally like a game for families, like a sort of in real life family game. Like couldn't be farther from Blackout or Tom Payne or whatever. And I'm just thrilled. <laughs> like I'm so happy with it. Um, and uh, I'm I'm making a, a Shakespeare something, which I hope maybe the world will be able to see this this summer in some way shape or form um but what's funny about it is that there's nothing um experimental about it <laughs> like there's mm. it is as traditional as it gets and um you know whether it's building a game show for families or uh, a shakespeare or a, like super traditional shakespeare play or a super traditional one man show theater experience um I am personally just going back to theater, like theater in the traditional sense, like the thing that I liked as a kid, like watching that fucking chandelier fall in Phantom and that Miss Saigon. I mean, like I, I get chills to this day thinking about it and there is nothing that has ever compared to that feeling. Um, and, and there are many things that fall in that world. It's not just Les Mis and Miss Saigon. I think about my Nine Inch Nails concerts. I think about seeing Madonna as a kid. Peter Gabriel, the, the Robert Lepage fucking Peter Gabriel concerts. Like, they make me cry. And, like, just to me, that's my personal Shangri-La, right? That's, that, that is where I get tingles. Um, and that's where I'm headed. That's what I want to do. And I don't... You know, again, I feel like Tom Payne. I don't care <laughs> about the world. Like, listen, maybe people don't want to buy tickets to it. I don't know. Um, I know the entire world is having problems with ticket sales right now, as am I. Like, mm. it is hard to get people out of the house. Um, I don't know where we're headed. I don't want to make any predictions. I have zero idea. I've been wrong in all of the predictions I've ever made up until this point. Um I just, I just want to do things that like make me feel fulfilled. And right now, the more traditional theatrical things that frankly, just on a very personal level, hark back to my childhood. Um, that's where I go. That's where I'm headed. And um, I don't know if people want to pay me to do that shit or I'm going to have to continue doing it on my own or obviously my job at 2-Bit. But um, 
Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think I've given up on trying to understand like fads and trends and like why people are buying tickets and why they're not. And like why certain people become famous and not, I give up. And, and I think that to me, that's part of where I connect with Tom Paine and why I've chosen to do this because I feel so strongly in the like, listen, I'm 44. I give up. I just give up. I just want to be happy. And honestly, I want you to be happy. I want everyone to be happy. And like, whatever people need to do to get there, do it. And I'll support you. That's it. That's a a nice note to end on in, in, in a lot of ways. There's, there's a, there's a power in a certain kind of resignation. Like I hear you saying you give up, but there's, there's, there's discovery in that too. Like there's been a bunch of times in my own life when I've like surrendered to something and, and it's opened up more than I ever thought was possible. So it's a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a surprising place to, to be in. You used to be an actor, right? Yeah. Do you ever do um, method-y, Strasburg-y, kind of like feel the coffee cup kind of shit? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't the, wasn't the central part, but yeah. yeah. it's funny. I was talking um, with my fiance, who is also in our business, um, the other day. And, you know, we've been doing <laughs> like... <clears throat> some some meditation and like self-help kind of relaxation and just like we've kind of been trying to just like center ourselves a little more just as people and it's so funny but I said um, it almost seems like all of the sort of self-help meditation and like all of these things just kind of bring me back to like 18 year old Strasbourg acting 101 just relax and I feel like most of the meditation and guided meditations and 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 all these things that we do are exactly what I was learning like as an 18 year old in Lee Strasberg Institute where we literally would have classes for three hours like the first semester where all you would do is just try to relax and the teacher would just walk around saying you know Noah your your eyebrows are tight relax your eyebrows Josh (laughs) I see your left hand is you know and you're literally sitting there for like what the fuck like how do I just relax for three hours um but then I think what you finally learn is that in that sense of relaxation, in that sense of giving up, maybe is a word, or um, I, I don't remember what phrase you just said. Resignation. Uh, resignation. Yeah. That then everything comes. And the whole point of the, ta- the, the whole point of the technique is to get yourself to a point that you are so open and so willing and and ready to receive that then what emotions are able to be there for you, you're able to access. Yeah. And as an 18 year old, you don't get that. You're just like, why am I relaxing for 18, you know, for fucking hours upon hours. But um, as a 44 year old and as a, you know, Tom Payne <laughs> devotee now, I think what you're saying is, so on point 
and it isn't giving up it, and it isn't even resignation and or or maybe it is maybe it's actually all those things sort of combined um you know it, it's letting yourself be open it's letting yourself be open and consequently just being right like yeah. just allowing yourself to be yeah and oh, yeah. if that makes you happy at this moment then do it and if it makes you sad then don't do it um and those things can change right it's and it's been a beautiful process to try to unlock that and it sucks that you know so often in life we have to go through a death or a, a pain to get to that but I think there's a reason his name is Tom Payne. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I felt some pain, but here we are at a relatively beautiful, beautiful spot. And um, honestly, I'll just say, like in in my last two seconds of that, like I said it earlier, but whatever happens to the immersive scene, like you know, I just want people to start coming back out into the world and trusting artists and trusting experiences and being open as open as we are the people that are now out there putting themselves out on the line. Um, you know, I hope audiences respond in kind and I know they will. I know they will. And, um, you know, I just hope that support continues. Joshua Handel, thanks for being on the show this week. Thank you, sir. Once again, I want to thank Josh Randall for being our guest on the show this week and for inviting us into his home, his garage, uh, to conduct the interview. I got to say, I uh, you can tell <laughs> I enjoy interviewing people in person so much more than I enjoy interviewing folks uh, over the internet. That being said, we do have some wonderful interviews that have been conducted over the internet of late. Just one click back, you've got that bonus episode, uh, the continuation of our conversation with Alex Kalum of Heaven You. Uh, this was dropped in honor of him being at GDC and indeed of the Game Developers Conference going on. Uh, we get nerdy and technical about cloud architecture and all kinds of things. A really great conversation. That's a one click back, two click back. Two clicks back, Michael Anderson of ARGN.com and myself talking about the Batman ARG, indeed the Batman ARGs, uh, which culminated this week. They released an extra scene. They showed off, kind of showed off their version of the Joker. Uh, they really packed a lot in that movie. Maybe it would have been better as a 10-episode uh, HBO series. I know I would have liked it more as a 10-episode HBO series. Anyway, there's enough of me talking about the Batman, uh, which, which I did enjoy. Uh, two episodes back and then three steps back on the dial. It's been a busy couple of weeks, of course, is when we have the Peabody Award jury, three members of the Peabody Award jury uh, for digital and interactive, which, as Catherine noted, got uh, the award. The Legacy Awards were released this week. They've been announced. You should check out the site. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. But indeed, just a couple episodes back, uh, we we talked with members of the jury over there. So a great deep dive. There's just been a lot. Uh, review crew will be coming back soon. Uh, they, sometimes everyone is busy and, and can't meet up. But we've had plenty in the feed for you, I hope. I hope you're satisfied with how much we're producing. Maybe you're not because no one joined the Patreon this week. Please, 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 uh, if, if you've been a longtime listener and you've been holding out, uh, I just want $2. Just $2. Uh, monthly, you know. It's not a lot of money. 
please. Uh, Patreon.com slash no proscenium. We're trying to get uh, to the 400 backer mark. Uh, we are about, I think, 13 backers away from that. Uh, no, 23 backers away from that. I can't do math right. 23 backers away from that right now. Uh, and uh, also trying to get to the uh, $2,500 a month, which would be the halfway mark uh, for our, our financial goals. All right. So that's patreon.com slash no proscenium. I'll thank the sustaining backers in a moment, but there is some fun stuff coming up on the horizon, some important stuff coming up on the horizon. Uh, this coming Thursday, uh, uh, the last of our events for March, we've been doing a lot of events in the Discord. We had an AMA with uh, Tara Okan uh, this past Thursday. Uh, that's not recorded, so if you missed it, you missed it. Uh, this coming Thursday, we're doing an open forum about expectations and advisories. This is widening out the conversation that's already started amongst the review crew, and it's 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 one that's a little hard to like get your hands on in some ways. Uh, we want to just have the community, both both creators and uh, you know fans, talking about you know what they expect, uh, what what they what they're looking for as they're looking through listings, what sort of advisories uh, folks want to see, what kind of information. Uh, creators feel compelled to give people as preparation and just how this this whole idea of framing a show through the marketing framing the show through advisories uh you know the, the kinds of things that people need to know going in and and maybe ways to sort of subtly hint what kind of show this is for who this is for again as you can tell not a laser lock focus but because there's a lot of perspectives here in terms, uh, you know, some people really like preserving mystery and other people have some you know, very hard limits uh, that they just don't want to encounter. So a bit of a thorny issue. Open forum. All are welcome. Six o'clock Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern this coming Thursday. Uh, we're we're continuing to move around when these things happen. It's difficult when we're trying to service the entire um, uh, community. Uh, the best we can do is try and service large chunks of North America. Uh, but indeed, we'll, we'll be moving some of these forums and whatnot around. And probably not the only time we hold this open forum, just because of the timing. But if you can, please come through this Thursday, uh, talk about expectations and advisories. Uh, we'd love to have your perspective on it. Uh, Laura Hess and myself will be uh, facilitating the conversation and probably kicking it off, uh, since that tends to be how it goes. We'll be in the main stage on the Discord. You can find links to the invite for that uh, right here in the show notes. Um, also want to thank everyone who signed up for our Walkabout Mini Golf Tourney, the VR Tourney. Uh, got close to two dozen people going to be playing in the month of April. It's a really amazing group of people, by the way. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see and you'll hear as the scores uh, come out. It, it, you'll be sort of surprised as, as who's in the mix. Uh, I'm not saying here. Uh, the signups are over. Sorry, everybody. Um, just for logistical reasons, Augie and I have to go through and like start assigning everybody out to give everyone enough time. But uh, yeah, uh, it, should be, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's, a, it's a new way for us to all gather. Um, speaking of, uh, new ways for us to gather, uh, things are starting to get planned out again. So, uh, keep an eye, keep an eye. I don't think we have anything, nothing to announce this month in terms of in-person stuff, but, uh, towards the end of next month, I think there's going to be some announcements or maybe very early May. There's some really exciting stuff going on. 
anyway, um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe there's ways to find out what's going on. Uh, <laughs> I'm a terrible tease. Hey man, I'm planning things again, which given the way the past year's been, I, I'm sort of shocked that I'm doing that. All right. Enough, enough for now. Let's thank our sustaining backers who really do keep us alive. Ari Herstand, Chris Woolman, Eric Shamlin, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Jay Bushman. Great job with the Peabody's, Jay. Jerome Joseph Gentis, congratulations on uh, the magic board, Jerome. David Basek, Lonnie Hanson, Mark Baltazar, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. You keep us alive. Thanks for your donations at patreon.com slash no proscenium. The associate producer of this madness is Parker Sella. Music for the no for the no proscenium, the no proscenium, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. I know where that came from. Uh, special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. Uh, you'll hear more from Siobhan next week. Uh, Catherine Yu is the executive editor of NoPro and does our headlines. And the mess is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. Thank you.